Happy Mother's Day and welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whatever season you're in, God sees your desires, frustrations, and needs, and He wants to provide. We hope you enjoy this special Mother's Day message from Brandy Little. Welcome to all of those of you that are watching online, our Milestone Church family, and all of you that have just started tuning in with us. We're so glad to have you today, as well as our McKinney campus and our Haslett campus. I am so glad that we get to worship together today. And I wanna say a special Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. I know this day may look a little different than normal, but one thing I know about us moms is that we're pretty great with homemade cards from our kids and the little things they do to make us feel special, but I do pray that your day is so special and so memorable. You know, Mother's Day is special to me because I have four children. My oldest daughter is 20 years old. My son is about to be 19. And then I have a 15-year-old and my baby girl is nine. So yes, I have two in college, one in high school and one in elementary school. I'm in all the phases of life all at once. But Mother's Day is extra special to me because I actually had my son on Mother's Day 19 years ago. And I remember with my first daughter, when I went into labor, I didn't even know. I just went to the doctor for a normal checkup. And as they were checking me out, they said, oh, you're in labor, like you need to go straight to the hospital. And I said, well, I don't even have like a coming home outfit. Like this is early. And they said, no, no stopping at the mall. Go straight to the hospital. So my husband and I got in the car and we went straight to the hospital. And then we stayed at the hospital and circled the building for like 10 times. He just kept going around and around. And finally I was like, baby, you gotta cut it out and and take me in. I'm not feeling anything, but they say I'm in labor. So we gotta take care of this. But you know, it's funny. When I had my son 13 months later, and yes, you heard that right, 13 months later, it was totally different. I had so many intense Braxton Hicks contractions. It was crazy, and the doctor told me, like, you know what, you probably just need to take it easy. And so one Sunday, my husband had to go to church and preach, and both of our parents, both sets of parents were in town for Mother's Day weekend, so they all went to church. I decided to stay home and take it easy, so they went, and they called me after church was over to check on me, and I said, you know, I'm fine. Everything's good. Y'all go on to lunch, and so they went and ate Mexican food, and my husband bought me a t-shirt at the Mexican food restaurant that was about, I don't know, three times too big that he legitimately thought was going to fit me, and it's Dia de las Madres. And uh, anyway, I actually loved that t-shirt. I still have it 19 years later. But anyway, we were sitting around and visiting and just having a good time on that Mother's Day. And all of a sudden, I got this sharp pain. And it just kind of doubled me over. And remember, I didn't have that with my first one. So I was like, what, did he just kick really hard? Like what happened? And then three minutes later, it happened again. And then three minutes later, like you get the picture. So I told Jeff, I'm like, okay, babe, like this is it. We've got to go to the hospital. And he said, okay, sweetie, how can I help you? No. He said to me, now, is this the real thing or are you just faking it? I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? So needless to say, we got in the car and we went straight to the hospital. And my water broke right there in the parking lot. And Caleb was born shortly thereafter. And so he went back to explain that what he really meant when he said that was, are you having false labor? 
So I'll let you decide on that one. I'm not buying it. <laughs> the Proverbs 31 uh, verse 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days to come. And I love a verse that's talking about a wife and a mom that loves to laugh at the days to come because I know as a mom, there are so many opportunities that you can either laugh or cry. You'd probably depending on the way you're wired. I'm more of a laugher, so I tend to laugh at everything, even when it's probably not the most appropriate emotion. So um, I'm just like, yeah, that just happened. And um, so I'm so glad that the Bible says that she laughed at the days to come. But you know, it's funny that as I was getting prepared to have these children, I had read every book under the sun. I had read what to expect when you're expecting, how to schedule your baby and get them on a great nap, you know, program, and how to, you know, um, just all the parenting tips and techniques and everything you should do to raise healthy, you know, vibrant children. And it's amazing how all these things are helpful for a little while. But as your kids grow, you realize it's a lot more than cute bows and dresses and, you know, um, play in house, that these children have a real mind, will, and emotions. And the older they get, the harder it is to keep those things not only submitted to you, but to God. And then you have to figure out what it looks like to be married and stay really intentional with your marriage relationship when your family grows? And how do you work with your finances as you have more children? And then, you know, how do you manage just your emotional, physical, and spiritual health as your responsibilities grow? And so um, it's just, it's a lot. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter four and hold that place. We're gonna come back to it in just a little bit. But speaking of kids, I don't know about you, we're about to dive straight into summer. And I love summer. I know a lot of people in Texas say it's way too hot, but I love the sunshine. I love the hot weather. I love a good swimming pool and floats and snow cones and homemade ice cream and the whole bit. But when I was growing up, the one thing that I really looked forward to, of course I grew up in Texas, was going to Six Flags. And I would love to know how many Six Flags fans are out there. And I, I, my dad would take me and he was old school. There was none of this, I'm scared, I don't wanna ride that ride, no. He said, you're scared and yes, we are going to the top of that ride and we're gonna fall seven stories. Anybody remember the cliffhanger? And yes, I've heard people have died on this ride and you better quit your crying and have fun. <laughs> that, that's how we roll. So I had to face my fears about that growing up pretty quick. So I kind of got over it and I loved Six Flags. And I don't know how many of you remember when the Texas giant was being built, the world's tallest roller coaster. I mean, it was like 14 stories high. It had a 137 foot drop. And then you were going like 62 miles an hour. And I was so excited to ride this ride. I couldn't wait. I stood in line for two hours to ride this ride. And I remember getting on it, you know, you're click, 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 clicking up, you know, as you go up. And then all of a sudden you're at the top and there's this sign and it says, wait, let's discuss this. And by the time you, you know, see that sign, it's too late. You're on a free fall. 
And the thing I remember about this ride is, yeah, it was a little bit scary, but there were all these twists and turns, and this thing just shook you around like a rag doll. And I remember getting off of it thinking, okay, well, I mean, that was kind of scary, but really, it just shook me up so bad, I really thought, I just don't know that I want to ride this anymore. Like, it just, it hurt. And I would say many of you, maybe you feel like your life has been on that um, free fall. That today, maybe you've had to face your greatest fears and you feel like your life has been, had lots of twists and turns and just been on a flat free fall. And you just think, man, I feel so shook up. I don't know what to do with it. And maybe you've been in a fight. Maybe it's a fight for your health. Maybe it's a fight for your marriage. Maybe your marriage has been falling apart and you're fighting to try to save that relationship. Maybe you've been betrayed by a friend and there's some forgiveness and hurt that you have to get past. Maybe your kids have been making poor choices and it feels like it's out of your grasp and you're wanting to hold on and help them, but you don't really know what to do. And maybe your husband or you in the last few months have lost your job and you're not sure how you're gonna make ends meet and you're just fighting. I don't know what that is, but maybe it's another kind of loss for you. You fill in the blank. But I wanna encourage you today that there's a story about fighting for your families and it's in Nehemiah chapter four. Now I know this isn't a typical Mother's Day passage, but the thing I love about Nehemiah is that it is still so relevant for today. And when I read this several years ago, it just struck me in my heart. I just, I don't know, I just, I had this passion to really teach this passage because it talks about not just going with the flow and trying to hope everything works out with your family, but really digging in and fighting for your families, fighting for your sons and daughters. And you know, so many times we get intimidated by the Old Testament. We think, oh, I don't really know if that's really relevant for today, or you just don't know where to start. But I encourage you to go back and read chapters one through four in Nehemiah, because I think you're gonna get so much out of it. And I'm gonna kind of just tell you the gist of the story for time's sake, because we're gonna end up in chapter four and kind of tell you what's going on. But basically, God's people um, had been attacked and their city had been destroyed and the wall had been destroyed. And when Nehemiah heard about this, who was, Nehemiah was counted as one of God's people. Now he was a cupbearer to the king, um, but he had, he had heard about this and then he was, greatly distressed. And the reason he was distressed is all of this had been going on kind of right under his nose and he hadn't really been paying attention. Honestly, he had kind of been indifferent, apathetic. And so when he realized what had really happened and what was happening to his people, he confessed his sins to God, sins of apathy, not paying attention, just kind of letting things go and just kind of living his life and, and not really like looking out to see what was happening. And then he asked the king for permission to go and rebuild what the enemy was trying to destroy. And so the king gave him permission. So he took a whole group of people and he said, look, we're gonna go rebuild this wall. And so, um, so he gathered all the people together and they started rebuilding. But while they were rebuilding, some of their enemies took notice and got very angry and started taunting them. So in chapter four, verse one, it says this. It says, when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Like the enemy saying, you're so weak. How could you possibly put the pieces of your life back together? 
He said, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones. So the enemy was taunting them. He was ridiculing them. Have you ever felt like that in your life? You say, my life has been a, it's been a mess and I feel like it's in a, a heap of rubble. But you dared to believe that God could bring something beautiful out of the ashes. But then the enemy came in and he started taunting you and just telling you how weak and feeble you were. And how could you possibly restore what's been broken or destroyed or burned? You know, burnt stones may not look good on the outside, but they've been tested. They've been through the fire. And maybe today you feel like you've been tested. You say, Brandy, I've been tested. I've been in the fire. You know, I want you to know it takes great faith to endure a tragic failure or a devastating loss with your marriage, your kids, maybe your life in general, and then rise up again with determination to keep pursuing God's vision for your life. Think of the faith it took for these people to return to the scene of their greatest failure and devastation with the resolve to start all over again. It takes that kind of vision to endure the taunting of the enemy and the discouragements that are gonna come when you're trying to rebuild. But you know what the beauty of it all is, is that God did intend to rebuild. And he wanted to build with these stones that had been burned and distressed. You know, it's funny, if you're building a house made of brick, bricks are kind of cookie cutter. You just kind of can lay them in rows. But if you build a house of stone, you realize, realize that stones aren't just put in place, but they're uh, in rows like bricks are, but they're actually set in place. They are not all the same. They have to be cut, shaped, honed to perfectly fit into place. So don't let the enemy deceive you. See, God is shaping you and molding you and refining you through the fire so that you come out stronger. So they were building and the enemy heard that the wall was being rebuilt and the gaps were being closed and he was angry and he plotted to come and um, fight against them and stir up trouble because that's what the enemy's good at, stirring up trouble. And the enemy, listen, he doesn't want you to rebuild your life. Make something beautiful out of the rubble. Give God the glory. Let's not be confused. He has a strategy. So the, here they are working with all their heart. The enemy gets angry, starts stirring things up. And then as they're building with enthusiasm, maybe as you're building with enthusiasm, you have a setback. And this reality that it's just gonna be plain hard work, right? Hard work to restore those relationships, to pour into that child, to get over offenses and choose forgiveness and love to heal the broken places and choose to listen to God and who he says you are over all the taunting and ridiculing of the enemy. And you start to think maybe your situation is beyond repair or that you're too far gone and there's just too much shrapnel in your life. And then to top it off, the enemy says, I'm gonna kind of try to get you over here and then he's gonna come and attack the weak places. While you're trying to rebuild, I'm gonna come and attack your weak places that you haven't fortified yet. And so, it says they prayed and they posted. They set guards over the areas of weakness and vulnerability. And in verse 13 and 14, it says basically, listen, you don't have time to stay discouraged. No matter where you are today, God's wanting to rebuild. He's wanting to do something in your life. And the enemy's gonna try to come and get you discouraged, but you don't have time to stay discouraged. It says fight for your families, 
Fight for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons and your daughters. Fight for your homes. So listen to this, I love this. So they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, and they were battling and building simultaneously. Now, you say, how do we do this? How do we fight for our families? You know, we have to focus on the right opponent. Sometimes we think the enemy is our spouse, or sometimes we think the enemy could be our boss, or that kid at school that's a bad influence on our child. Or maybe you think the enemy is your parents or your in-laws or anybody that's betrayed you. But I want you to know our fight is not against any of those people. Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, or against, but against the rulers and the powers against these world forces of darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So make sure that you don't make any of those people your enemy, because God wants to build and restore those relationships. Remember who your enemy is. And number two, engage your allies. In Nehemiah, it says they set guards over the weak places. God's people worked together. And if you've known me very long, you know that the scripture in Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. And it's in Ecclesiastes 4, and it says two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. And if the one falls down, they have a companion there to pick him up. But woe to the one who falls, and there's no one to pick him up. We're better together. We're allies. You know, it should be, and I pray that you find this, that when you um, are facing something, that you engage your friends and that you work together. So you say, you know, if you're going through this, I wanna pray for you. If you're having a celebration, I wanna celebrate with you. If you're weeping, I wanna weep with you. If you're fighting a battle, I am standing with you. I'm not gonna commiserate with you. I'm not gonna get down in the dumps with you. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna lift you up and I'm gonna encourage you. It's kind of like that game we used to play when we were kids, maybe you remember it, called Red Rover, where you would link arms together and you would dare anybody because you would get so tight, you would build a wall that just was impenetrable. And then you would dare anybody to come and try to break through that wall. That's what we wanna do, is build a wall with our allies, our friends, our support system, our small group that says, the enemy's not gonna get through this wall. He's not gonna get to me because we've got reinforcements. And you know what's funny about the taunting is Tobias said, even a fox could break, you know, just walking over it could break down your wall. And I read an archeological dig, discovered part of this wall, and the wall was actually nine feet deep. So really, a fox could break through that wall? Isn't it amazing how we will listen to absolute nonsense when we get discouraged? There's absolutely no doubt that they were building strong. The only thing the enemy could do would get, was get them discouraged. And the enemy wants to do that to you today. You're trying to rebuild things. You're trying to change things, maybe patterns in your life. And the enemy says, oh, well, you said you weren't gonna do that again, but look, you just messed up. Oh, did you, that outburst you had with your husband the other day, I saw that. Remember that when you did that? You said you weren't gonna do that anymore. And you start listening to that and you start getting discouraged thinking, I don't even know if I can do it. I don't know if I have what it takes. Maybe it's not worth it. See, the thing is, you're doing good. You're making steps and you're taking ground, but the enemy, if he can get you discouraged, he'll get you to quit. Don't let his strategy work. Don't get discouraged and don't quit. And keep building, build intentionally. 
See, I believe the challenge is that, you know, sometimes we wanna just fight, and so we're trying to fight the enemy and fight everything, but we have to build up God's way at the same time that we're fighting. And so I think it's a, um, a challenge that we have to remember that we have to build and battle. I was a football mom for nine years. My son started in third grade playing football and he always played on the line. And when he was a freshman in high school, he got to start on the varsity team. Now, he didn't get a lot of playing time as a freshman, but I remember one game, they put him in and he was a tackling machine. As a matter of fact, he was just killing it out there. Excuse me, because I'm a mom and um, I'm still remembering back and it was so exciting. As a matter of fact, he recovered a fumble in that game. And so the next day, when I picked him up for practice, I said, son, like, what did your coaches say about your performance last night? And what did they think? And especially about that, like, fumble recovery. What did they say about that? And he said, well, actually, they said that I shouldn't have just caught the ball and stopped. I should have actually run for a touchdown. And then he laughed because he was built like a lineman. And he said, can you imagine me getting a touchdown? And I said, son, I would have jumped out of the stands and spontaneously combusted with joy if you would have done that. And I said, but you know what? Next time, if you get a fumble and you are like a recovery, don't just stop. Like, just try to at least get the ball going in the right direction. Like, get some yardage. And here's the point. It's not just about stopping the enemy in his tracks, although that is good and important and necessary, but it's also about taking ground in those areas that need repaired restored and rebuilt. You know, we have to build intentionally into our marriages. We have to love well, we have to love intentionally, do things um, to show our spouses how much we love them, but we also have to have those hard conversations. Communicate, choose forgiveness daily, over and over again. Love past our hurt, actually let it go and forgive. We have to build into our kids. We have to take time to know what's going on with them, having those talks with them, being at their bedside, knowing what's going on in their social circle, and more importantly, knowing what's going on in their social media because believe me, the enemy has a strategy with that. And then digging into our finances, taking a financial peace class, learning how to live on a budget. Take back control of your health as far as it depends on you. Take steps to recovering from addictions or hurts or unforgiveness. You start taking those steps, taking that ground. And as you do what you can do, let me tell you, God will do what only God can do. And number four, I want you to remember that God will fight for you. You know, we do what we can do, but God does what only he can do, and he will come in and fight for you. I'm gonna read a scripture in a minute uh, from Nehemiah, but I want you to understand Nehemiah's context. He was rebuilding his city, the nation of Israel, but the principles that God was teaching Nehemiah still apply to us today in our current context. So Nehemiah 4, 19 and 20 says, then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, and our God will fight for us. And so I want you to remember, your God will fight for you. This is good news. You know, being a mom is overwhelming sometimes. It never ends, and one day kind of blends into the other, and sometimes you feel separated from your friends and a little bit lonely, but when you feel that way, when you lean into him and you um, call on him, 
He comes and he meets you right where you are. He called you to this and he will come and he will fight for you. And this is good news because we're not in this alone. God is with us and he's for us. And so when we lean into him and his strength, when we are weak, he is strong on our behalf. You know, I remember when I was a young pastor's wife, and just so you know, I was a pastor's wife on day one of my marriage. Well, actually it was day two because we had our wedding, then we spent the night in Dallas, and then we went back to our church to host the community Thanksgiving service, and then the next day we went on our honeymoon. But I remember, you know, and this is my context, I was a pastor's wife, you probably have felt this in your own life, in your context, but there were so many expectations on me. I had already missed the mark from the beginning because I didn't play the piano, which apparently is like a requirement for pastor's wives, or at least it was back then. And there were so many different ideas and expectations of who I should be and what I should do. And then I had kids, two kids in 13 months. And they were like, Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, they were strong-willed and they were into everything. And I was just trying to survive and raise kids that were disciplined and loved and grew up not to be Bonnie and Clyde. But that meant I had to focus a lot on home. Yet there were so many expectations of what I should be doing, teaching, leading, but I knew I had to focus on my home for a period of time. But you know, that's hard when you're young, with small children, and you wanna meet everyone's expectations and make everyone happy. And then as my kids got a little older, I felt like I had some capacity again, and I had all kinds of um, commitments at the church and things I was doing, and I actually led a women's Bible study that was well attended. It was amazing, I loved it so much, and I got to pour into the women, and. And, and do this for several years. And then one day, as my kids were a little bit older and in high school, the Lord just spoke to me. And He said that I needed to be more present in my home again. And so I, I needed to be paying attention to what my kids were doing and what was going on and have capacity to be the home where they all brought their friends and I could have some influence and really dig into their hearts and what they were thinking and fight for their hearts to stay connected to Jesus. And you know, there are some critical times where you have to fight for your kids to stay connected to God. The pull is so strong in the world and the fight for their souls and their minds and their hearts is real. And as hard as it was not to live up to everybody's expectations, it was a fairly easy decision for me to choose to fight for my family. And why is that? Because at the end of it all, it's what I'm gonna care about the most. Today, I wanna encourage you. If you're just starting out on this journey, or maybe you're in the middle of raising your kids, fight for them. Fight for your families. You're stronger than you think. Get involved in a small group. Link up arms with other women and stand with each other and encourage each other in your journeys. And if you've already raised your kids, your journey isn't over. You have a lot of wisdom to share. Mentor younger girls. Be a spiritual mom. We need you. But keep fighting because it's worth it. If you say, Brandy, that's me. I'm in that battle today. I just wanna pray for you. If you would just bow your heads with me. You know, there's two groups that I wanna pray for today. You know, the first group of you say, 
this is totally foreign to me. When you talk about spiritual battles, I don't even understand that, but I wanna know. I wanna know more about Jesus. As a matter of fact, I want that hope in my heart. And I want you to know today that in Romans, in the Bible, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So today, I just want you to say this prayer with me. And when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, he comes and he resides in you. So Lord, I pray for every one of those that is here today that says they want Jesus in their heart, Lord. We pray right now that you would come in. And if you would just say these words, God, just forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to know you. I pray that you would just come in and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know it really is that simple. And if you prayed that prayer with me today, I want you to text the number on the screen because we wanna connect with you and give you some resources to help you on your journey. But there's a second group of you and you say, Brandy, I am in that battle. I I have been a little bit discouraged. I'm trying to build into my family, my children. Maybe you're not even married, but you're just trying to fight for a godly life and to do the right thing and to to take whatever that you've been dealt and and make it glorify God. And um, and so today, if you say, Brandy, just pray for me. The enemy's coming in, he's discouraging me, and I just haven't had the strength to fight and rebuild in the way I need to, but I want to. I wanna pray for you today. And Lord, I pray for everyone out there that says that they want to fight. They wanna fight for godliness. They wanna fight for their family. They wanna fight to rebuild what the enemy's destroyed and what the enemy meant for evil, God. We know that you can take it and bring it for your good and your glory, Lord. And so I pray right now that you would help them not to be discouraged. Help them to know that you are on their side and you are for them and they can do what they can do, but when they can't do it anymore, God, you are their strength. You are with them and you are for them and you love them more than they could possibly comprehend. And God, I pray that they would receive your help, receive your love, receive your encouragement and receive your strength today in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out by texting us at 817-406-7470. Our team would love to pray with you and help any way that we can. If you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.